Welcome to Surprise It's Not a Toaster, where healthcare digital experts Ed Bennett and I, Chris Boyer, we delve into the fabric of online experiences, tackling annoyances, unveiling innovative technologies and solutions, and we also challenge generative AI's limits. Hey, good morning, Ed. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. How's it going? Doing pretty good. We're recording this right in the middle of our holiday season, so yes. uh, right before New Year's. So for those people listening in, uh, any big New Year's plans for you? Um, no. In fact, this is the first work-related thing I've done in two weeks. I took two <laughs> full weeks off. It is more of a mental adjustment because, I mean, obviously I work from home and mm-hmm. I just come down into my office and work and then I, it's just part of the mix. Yeah. So it's more of like a mental thing that I was just switching off, trying to think about all the work stuff I need to do and the priority list that everybody has in their head and so forth. And just said, you know what? I'm relaxing for two weeks. And unless it's something super urgent, which it never happened for two weeks, nothing urgent happened. I'm not going to think about work. And so it was a good break. Well, I appreciate you thinking of this as like work related because I think it's more fun personally, but you know, but I get it. I understand yeah, the yeah, seriousness it's, to it's, this. Anytime I need to tell my wife, hey, I've got a I've got a call I need to get on, that I consider that work related. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you got on this call and we're here recording another episode of our what seems to be a very popular show. People are really enjoying our, um, our show. Pleasantly surprised. This is wonderful. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm surprised, but not not too surprised. But I'm I'm just I'm happy that people are enjoying this. Yeah. And we got a good one on deck today, Ed. As you know, the construct of our show, we start off with uh, what's been on your mind and what's bugging you. And I know today's topic because, in fact, you and I had a call earlier in the month of December about this very topic, and I think it gave rise to this. So the the I hate to call it annoyance because. <laughs> This is, <laughs> this is bigger than an annoyance. In fact, this is like the perfect example of the title of our podcast, where people go in thinking that it's easy to do, and then, surprise, it's not a toaster. It's much more complicated than they expect. And that topic is community forums. Mm. I can't count the number of times that people, at, uh, at when I was working at the hospital system, and they would come with websites, the ideas, the doctors, and whoever... The number of times I said, well, why don't we have a, a forum where people could share information and ask questions and everything? And they had no concept of how much work is involved and how mm-hmm. difficult it is to do this. And I think that's a um, it's a big stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And the problems, of course, are you're trying to manage people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're trying to manage what they're saying. And the whole, mm-hmm. you know people going off the rails on different topics. But the biggest problem is getting people to, to, to talk at all. So now you're speaking from experience. Let's let's stop. Yeah. Let's take a step back, okay. right? And talk a little bit about, right. you've been managing community forums for years now. Well, managing or somehow involved with, with them. Yeah. So one of the first community forums that I got involved with was with a uh, uh, kind of blog slash forum set up uh, called Webiscope. And this was back in 2007 when social media and healthcare were just getting started. And it was created by another early adopter of social media, uh, Delia Koneski, who I think now is at Hopkins. Uh, but at the time, she was at a different hospital system. But she was very active in promoting the use of digital tools in hospital settings and uh, got this 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 particular uh, site off to a pretty good start. They had a simple forum tool that was built into it where people could 
post a topic, get replies, et cetera. And one of the biggest problems that we had was getting people to participate. Mm -hmm. So that's all this energy into generating interest in it and, and so forth. So that's that's always a big problem. Then, of course, the other side of it is that once it does reach a critical mass and enough people are talking, having conversations or arguments or whatever, the the problem of moderating that and keeping control of it is very difficult mm. and requires, I think, much more time and energy than most people realize because yeah. you have to just make big decisions about how is a forum going to work. For example, if somebody posts a message, does it immediately get put out there live or does it need to be reviewed before you put it up there? Huge impact on the the, the liveliness of the conversation and what mm -hmm. kind of forums you have. And then all the other issues of, of people that would go off on tangents, trolls, the bot problem is huge on these forums because mm -hmm. bots will go in there and try to just spam it with links and you have to mm -hmm. control all of that. The answer to many of these was to say, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're going to say, set up a Facebook group mm -hmm. where we control who can be in there and they mm -hmm. have built in all the tools that you need to moderate and administer the group. But then you're locked into Facebook. You still have to invest all that time and right. have to make those decisions that are may piss people off. Mm -hmm. And is the juice worth the squeeze, I guess is the phrase, out of all of this. So there were forums that uh, like that. I've also been not active, but I've also been involved a little bit with the Shishmed Community Forum, mm -hmm. which I think is a perfect example of a forum that has lots of potential because it's a closed group. They have very, very strict rules about what can be said and what can't be said, but they still need almost a full-time community manager. Someone who you know is devoting a lot of their mental energy on managing this. The, the big question is, if someone says, I want to build a forum, educating those folks on what's involved in running it, how to set up the expectations of what can be done and can't be done, and then coming up with the rules of, of how, how you want the forum to look. Community guidelines. The guidelines. It's not something that I go into easily. I've had several people say for my website, MarTech Health, um, why don't you just put up a forum where people can talk about their issues? And I'm really hesitant to do that because of all the things mm -hmm. I've just outlined. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that you may not see a, a forum uh, at some point in the future, but I've got other things that are my priority. Well, you know, I think the premise behind a forum is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly if you get very niche and, you know, choose a particular topic. Patient forums where they're talking about a disease state mm -hmm. or, or or whatever. Back in the Mayo Clinic social media days, we, we were very involved in kind of advocating mm -hmm. for that and leveraging those. Even today, right, there are a lot of like very niche forums on, we talked about Reddit before, we talked about Twitch and uh, others, right? There's these other places, Substack is another place where you can coalesce people around ideas and ways they could kind of share information. But I think you hit the nail on the head, Ed, which is you got to manage people. And, right. and we all know that as the web has progressed, even though all these, there's sophistication around moderation and all of these tools, People have not gotten better. They've gotten worse, right? <laughs> Online. And that's why Facebook and Twitter just have kind of walked away from any kind of moderation. Yeah. 
they really don't want to do it. They don't, they want to just allow, you know, if you're going to create a community, you manage your own community right. kind of thing. That's, that's sort of their approach to it. You manage your topical threads. You mentioned the uh, patient uh, forums for niche. Um, that's not a good word to use. Niche diseases, yeah. rare diseases, rare diseases. And, and, and getting that kind of support. There's a perfect example of a forum that works because the folks that are participating in it are really invested in the community to help themselves, to help others, to share information, really invested. Once you have that kind of, of audience that you can you can go to, that's a lot easier to have a forum that's very successful. I think it's a lot harder when you're trying to build a forum and you're not tapping into some something where people are actively looking for it. It's not, it's not a need. You're trying to create the need instead uh, yeah. of responding to a need. That's the problem. That's the, that's the issue with forums. You're not annoyed at the fact that there's online communities. It's more of the the mm-hmm. underestimation of the management yes, that's, that's, of the that's, online communities. That's I think yeah. online communities are great, and I get a lot out of them because I go to the ones that are answering my questions and, and informing me of in, yeah. interesting things. But it's not understanding how difficult it is to, to run these things, what right. an investment it is. That is is can cause a lot of headaches. Yeah. Well, I got to agree with you. We got to come up with a term for an Uber annoyance. I don't know what the right <laughs> term is, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a challenge for sure. Mm-hmm. But let's let's pivot to something a little bit more positive. Ed. Okay. The second segment of our show, you share a kind of tip or a technology that you've been using or yeah. playing around with. So, what do you have to share with us today? Well, but let me just preface that, that I I'm I'm trying to make a commitment to our audience. That the <laughs> the things that I I will tell talk about are things I'm actually using. Things that I I discovered. My normal process. I discover something interesting. I'll I'll try it out for a couple of days, and most of the time I never go back to it. Okay. But every every couple of months something will connect, and yeah. I will start using it. It becomes part of my routine. My technology that meets that criteria is a autocomplete tool called Text Blaze. Text Blaze. I've never heard of this. These pieces of software are called, uh, usually fall under the name of text expanders, where Mm -hmm. you type in a short thing, a short phrase, and it will expand it out. There's lots of these. uh, It's been around for a long time, uh, Mm -hmm. where you would create these little shortcuts on your computer, and it would expand. You could could have a shortcut that would have a boilerplate email, Mm -hmm. um, for example, or, or whatever it might be. So these tools have been around for a long time, and I would try them out every once in a while, mm-hmm. but they had a lot of limitations. Like it would be, for example, a piece of software that would work on your computer, but it couldn't work on another computer or oh, on yeah. your iPad or on your iPhone. And a lot of them were extremely complicated. If you wanted to get beyond just having text expansion and do something that would let you do things like click on links or automate a process of something. It was extremely difficult. It was a lot of code involved and, and the juice isn't worth the squeeze, I think is the phrase. Then I found this this tool, I can't remember where I saw it, and it really solved all those problems. So it's a app that can be a um, an extension on your any of your browsers, any of the major browsers it supports. There's also an app that you can install on your computer that will store all the information and then you have an account and then share it back and forth to all of your devices. The other thing I like about it is that they really start you off with the really simple stuff Mm -hmm. and they don't really push the hard stuff, you know, the more complicated stuff. But if you want to get into it, 
there is the the example that I was really blown away with. There is a large population of healthcare providers that are using text plays. Mm. And that's what that really surprised me. Like and, in what way are they using this? Like to yeah. like for forms and yes, for forms. So so the example that I saw was doctors who were coming up with um automated uh communications to say report lab tests back. Mm-hmm. So these doctors have a have a workflow where uh, they they communicate by email or whatever their platform is, but they want to tell the patient uh, what these things mean. Mm-hmm. And so the text plays allows them to build a form that well they can fill out the information like they can fill out what the test result number was. And then based on the, that number, there's conditional includes that will include you know what people need to know. It can get very complicated, but they've actually made it very easy to build these tools. And mm-hmm. it's being used by doctors and transcribers and, and so forth uh, mm-hmm. uh, to a very big extent. In fact, on their forum, <laughs> I remember us talking <laughs> about how you, how do you pick good software? You, yeah. You, how active is the forum where people are talking about it? Well, right. this is an example of where forums make sense. This is a huh. forum for that piece of software uh-huh. where people are sharing the shortcuts and tools that they've built. And the most active segment is healthcare professionals sharing their their tools and tips with their colleagues. Well, you know, I've looked at the TextBlaze site. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at blaze.today. We'll link to it in the show notes. And I have three things that I want to say positively about it. Never used this before. Mm-hmm. The first thing I will say is it's a free add-on to your Chrome right. browser. Right. So it's free. It, it's Price free. point it, the, free it, is, is awesome. Right. It's I think you're limited to, say, 20 uh, different shortcuts, which for yeah. most people is going to be more than enough. Right. Well, the other thing it says is that it saves top users over 28 hours per month. And I believe that. I mean, if, yeah. if you, especially for folks that are in industries where a lot of your communications is very repetitive, mm-hmm. this is a no-brainer mm-hmm. to set up these macros that you can expand and populate. They built a tool that can get as complex as you want it to be. They actually have a free tool called DataBlaze, where you can upload a database or essentially a spreadsheet mm-hmm. of information. And then you can you can tell the um, the macro the autocomplete uh, widget to go to that database and grab information mm. to mm-hmm. populate it. Yeah. So it meets you know so for automation where for example if I'm communicating with one of the people that uh, have a um, a profile on Martech Health, I can just use that to very quickly grab their information, populate it in an email. Now, yeah. This is not automated, so this is not a mail merge. Yeah. So that's that's the difference. If a mail merge, if you're communicating to a whole bunch of people, mail merge right. is the way you want to go. And there's a different tools for that. But this is for those one-to-one communications where you want to populate something, grab some personalization information in it, and send it on. Well, the third positive thing I will say is, looking over their site, they did not mention AI once, so they're not an AI-enabled technology. Actually, they are. They are. <laughs> um, and it was I'm glad you brought that up because I was really impressed with mm-hmm. their AI tool. Their AI tool is designed to help you build the more complex macros. So you can just talk to the AI tool and say, I'm trying to do this and describe it. 
and it'll give you a first pass of what their code is to make that happen, and mm. then you can refine it from there. So they're not trying to create content with AI. They're just mm. trying to help uh, make it easier to program the tool that they're offering. And that's, that's to me, a very smart use of AI. That's really awesome. This is a really useful tool. And it's it's interesting to find out where it fits, like kind of in the overall mm-hmm. landscape of your, your tech stack. But I really appreciate you sharing this one. Yeah, my pleasure. Ed, this is great. All right. Are you ready to pivot to the stump yeah, generative AI segment of the show? We've heard a lot of stories about hallucinations, generative right. AI, making up things, et cetera, right? right? Typically, those those anecdotes come along the lines of, tell us about this famous person and share a little bit about their history or what have right. you. Well, I thought to really stump ChatGPT or or, uh, or BARD, I've done it, I did it in both BARD and ChatGPT 4.0. I was going to do it, but I was going to do a bio about someone that you know very well, Ed, yeah. that is yourself. <laughs> So my prompt was, please provide a biography of Ed Bennett, digital healthcare veteran and owner of MarTech.Health. Are you ready for the answers? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so the answers came back in different formats. I'm going to short shorthand a little bit because they're lengthy answers. Because the one thing I could tell you about generative AI, they provide very verbose answers. We don't need to know everything, but I'll hit the highlights. So let's go down ChatGPT first, okay? (laughs) It starts off by saying, Ed Bennett is a recognized figure in the digital healthcare landscape, known primarily for his contributions to hospital website development and his advocacy for patient-centric technology solutions. He has a rich background in managing digital strategies, particularly within the healthcare sector, and here is now a detailed biography highlighting his career and achievements. This is very interesting. I know. <laughs> it first starts off with early career and education. Uh-huh. Bennett's educational background and early career details are not widely publicized. <laughs> like many professionals in this field, he likely has a background in technology, healthcare, marketing, or a related field, which has provided a foundation for his later work. Yeah, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) His entrance into healthcare technology was marked by a growing interest in how technology can improve patient care and hospital operations. Ed is perhaps best known for his pioneering work in developing hospital websites at a time when the internet was just becoming mainstream. Bennett recognized the potential for hospitals to communicate with patients and the community online. Ed has also been a vocal advocate for making digital tools patient-friendly. His work often emphasizes the importance of easy-to-navigate websites, transparency and information, and tools that improve patient engagement. Um, Moving on, they do a sort of a roll-up of martech.health, a specialized directory service for healthcare marketing technology. The platform is a resource for healthcare professionals seeking reliable and effective technology solutions for marketing communications. And this platform reflects his commitment to improving healthcare through technology. So that's ChatGPT. Okay. So really quickly, I want to jump over to Bard, and I won't do a lengthy read, but it has a similar structure, Uh but it it kind of has a more narrative aspect to it, right? So it starts with early days and shaping the hospital landscape, almost as if it's writing uh, a Wikipedia article about you. And I don't know, Ed, do you have a Wikipedia article about you? I don't think so. Okay. So maybe we could copy and paste this one. It says Bennett's journey began with a local hospital where he led web operations with foresight and a knack for web firsts. 
His contributions range from prioritizing original content to leveraging SEO, paving the way for digitally connected healthcare future. He was always championing social media and building communities. As an early advocate for social media and healthcare, he became a trusted guide for many, establishing the hospital social network list. His generosity in sharing knowledge and promoting digital engagement earned him recognition as the go-to expert and thought leader in the field. Then he went from leader to entrepreneur, where you founded martech.health. This free vendor directory serves as a valuable resource for healthcare professionals navigating the ever-evolving landscape of marketing tools. Beyond a curated list, martech.health fosters connection and knowledge sharing through reviews, insights, and industry events. And lastly, it ends with a legacy of your impact. Ed Bennett's story is one of innovation, leadership, and dedication to improving the healthcare experience through digital means. He leaves a lasting legacy of empowering healthcare professionals, nurturing online communities, and ensuring patients remain at the center of it all. So what do you think, Ed? First of all, I... As you know, I don't really like to hear people talking about me and saying stuff like this. So I'm, I'm dealing with that mentally. But as you were reading those, you know, that I've been here in the industry for over 20 years. So there have been times where I will have a PowerPoint presentation and there's an intro about, Ed, you know, here's about Ed Bennett. As you're saying these things, I, I'm mentally realizing where the AI tool got the content. I know where it got this stuff from. I'm very pleasantly surprised it didn't confuse me with a much more well-known Ed Bennett, who was a jazz musician. In fact, he and I, back in the day when I was really visible on Google, we would keep switching places. If you search for Ed Bennett back in the day, uh, you would either find the jazz musician or you'd find me. I don't think I even come mm -hmm. up anymore if you search Ed Bennett. So I was I was expecting to hear about my jazz music. <laughs> from the, the tool and and it was it stayed on it stayed on track it didn't confuse me of other ed bennett's i think it's a little overwrought and how how amazing i am and, and the impact and all of that stuff i think it's a little bit too much but mm -hmm. i think it summarized the stuff that i've been doing it didn't come up with anything new that wasn't already in my bios that were that sort of spread across the web in different places in that sense I think it does a pretty good job summarizing things. Tone down the flowery language a little bit. <laughs> well, but that's, you know, that's very much indicative of generative AI, right? It uses right. a lot of flower, flowery language. I would probably grab that. I would take out the flowery language and make it much more like a Wikipedia article, objective, without saying these correlatives. But yeah, I think it does a pretty good job. Well, I will say, Ed, that you could definitely create your own Wikipedia article. I think I'll leave that for other people. That, <laughs> for the know, people that are feeling really, the impact of your legacy. Right, exactly. <laughs> In fact, I think Wikipedia rule, I, I can't do that. That's, that's totally against the rules. Right, so there's stuff. I can't do that. Right. Well, there you go, Ed. Well, so we okay. tested it. So no hallucinations in this time. No, I mean, it, it stuck to the content that is out there already about me and um, did a pretty good job pulling it together into a narrative. And, you know, I think, I think these tools are just getting better and better. They sure are. Another a stump generative AI uh, segment in the books and another episode in the books, Ed. This okay. has been always a lot of fun to record. I really appreciate doing this. For those of you who want to start an online community, Remember the title of our podcast, which is Surprise, It's Not a Toaster. <laughs> there you go. With that, we'll see you next time.